Welcome to Become an Idol. This is Episode 18, Basics of Instructional Design with an Idol Mentor, Nyla Spooner. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses, and this is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. In this episode, I'll be chatting with Nyla Spooner. She is an instructional designer and e-learning developer for a giant multinational corporation. She shares her wisdom and advice for new instructional designers, and she is on a mission to help 100 women of color in our field. This episode is what happens when two ID mentors get together. We chat, giggle, and teach. So stay tuned. I have here with me today Nyla Spooner, and I actually met Nyla through some like second connection on LinkedIn. I think Kara North had like posted on her post, and I was like, who's this Nyla Spooner? And I saw in her headline it said, instructional designer and mentor and whatever else you have in your your header and I was like oh cool so then I of course had to do a little snooping and I was like oh she seems so neat and then I saw um, that she really wants to help new instructional designers so I was like oh my gosh well then like our worlds must combine and we must help these new instructional designers together so that is why I got to meet Nyla and that is why she's on become an idol today. So Nyla, will you please introduce yourself like in a real way? (laughs) No, that was fantastic. What are you talking about? Hi, everyone. I'm really happy to be here today with Robin. Um, Like she said, I'm Nyla and I am an instructional designer and we'll probably get a little deeper into it, but um, I launched a program where I want to help other instructional designers just by letting them pick my brain, not expecting anything in return. I just want to pay it forward and help people get started. Um, and that's what I do. And, and as my job, um, I create e-learning courses for um, a, a pretty large oil and gas company in Houston, Texas. So that's a little bit about me. Okay. So my favorite first question is, how did you become an idol? Sure. So this is a a long, interesting story, but I will give you guys the abridged version. Um, I didn't know what instructional design was until I actually got into a master's program. So this wasn't a dream that I've had since I was a child, but I'm really glad I found out what it is through other means. Um, I just had to take an instructional design course in the program I was in, which initially was to be in organization development. And I took this course and it hurt my brain in a way that it challenged me in a way I hadn't been challenged in a long time. And I was like, this is really interesting. I want to learn everything there is about this. And then after that, I had to take an e-learning course and it combined all my favorite things, design, um, you know, PowerPoint making, which it's way more than that. But as someone new, this is what I I could connect it to. Um, And ever since then, I just fell in love with with instructional design and e-learning. So that's how I became an idol. Yeah, but how'd you actually land your first job? Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... 
the thing I really try to stress to people and what we're doing here is just building connections. So you can have everything perfect, your portfolio, your resume, but if you're not really working on your network, connecting with people, then it's just too easy to get lost um, out there. And I really, I really was lost in the mire trying to find the right position. Uh, but I made sure and made a declaration to one of my professors that I was actively looking for an instructional design position. And so because I was then on her radar, she has connections and companies and she went ahead and recommended I interview. And so I was ready with, you know, um, an example of my work and a tight resume and I was hired for a contract position and then I was offered a permanent position. Now, when you created your sample, did you just create a sample so that you'd have one when you got yep. the opportunity? So I, I just, I had only worked on proprietary stuff before, so I couldn't really share it. So what I did was I just kind of scoured the internet for some inspiration um, and I found uh, a barista training guide online. And it was just like an outline, a, a Word document. And so I converted it into a storyline uh, file. And that's what I showed them in the interview. Ooh, fun. And did the job yeah. you, ha uh, you got have anything to do with teaching people to be a, bar a barista? Not <laughs> at all. Not at all. The, the exact opposite. Uh, now I'm designing courses for like engineers. Um, but I needed to be able to show them that I had command over the authoring tool. Uh, so at that point, the content didn't matter. But I needed to show that I could break down content and create, you know, interactivity and experiential learning in an online course, or a web based course. Okay, so when you first when I first introduced you and you introduced yourself, you said that part of your goal is to help instructional designers pay it forward. And um, I specifically read, and I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but you want to help a hundred instructional designers, but specifically um, who are these hundred instructional designers and how do you yeah. help? Sure. So I, people hear that number and they're like, Whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> I know it sounds big, but um I want to at least have conversations with people who are interested in getting into instructional design, but aren't a hundred percent sure how to do that or even what it entails, but they've heard something about it that piques their interest. So my goal is to help a hundred women of color. Um, and also I'm helping anybody that asks for it, but my goal is a hundred women of color enter the learning and development space. Um, because I think a, it's not a career option that I heard about, that I that other people like me, I'm not sure that they're familiar with it. And it's a job opportunity that opens you up to a lot of industries. And um, I think it's something that we need to share that is an option to people. Um, and that's what I want to do. What I offer is anything from a one off conversation to, um, you know, uh, constant meetings in which we meet maybe once or twice a month to talk about what you need to do next. I'm helping people who are currently employed and people who are looking for uh, their first instructional design position. And um, I just started this in August. And since then, I've spoken to about 30 people who are in all different points in their journey. 
And I'm just looking forward to continue to do that so I can meet my goal. So when we first um, met and we were talking about our experiences, helping people become instructional designers, one of the things that came up was that some people um, who even come to us, or especially you, they don't even know what instructional design is. And I realized in my entire podcast, I have never explained the fundamentals of instructional design. I just like took that as a gimme. Like, okay, if you found this podcast, you must have like searched instructional design. So um, I would just like you to really kind of share well, like the fundamentals, like what is instructional design? Mm-hmm. How's it work? Yeah. So for me, um, like what I learned in school is that it's uh, the development, the systematic development of instruction of instruction. So that is what I learned in my grad program, right? So it's the design of instructional materials, modules, or lessons, and that is what I came out of that program understanding it to be. Now, in as I continue my my education, continuous learning, I've seen that people are defining it in many different ways. But what's most important to me is that it's about the science of learning um, and curriculum design. And so without that understanding, that theoretical understanding of the science of learning, I cannot do appropriate instructional design. Um, it's the entire process of, of analyzing learning and the goals and objectives that need to be reached um, through the system that you're designing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. I mean, it is, you're right. You don't have a process or a system if there's no yeah. learning science behind it. Otherwise, you are just like going through motions without any kind of information about what makes it right. effective. Right. I just read um, this, this uh, I don't want to call it an article. It's more like a declaration by uh, David Merrill um, that I think if you're looking for definitions of instructional design, it would be a really good piece of work to read because he kind of explains, you know, the science of instruction and then instructional technology and like how instructional design fits into that as a whole. And I'm not saying you have to agree with everything that he's saying in that piece of work, but it's just an interesting take on it. And I do think you'll see definitions continue to evolve, but there should always be like a, a core definition that we stick to, right? Um, and I, I think that is important to define. Right. And so an instructional designer would be someone who is both um, understands and employs mm-hmm. the use of learning science in the systematic process of creating instruction. I just made that up. Exactly. Based on- it was great. <laughs> Succinct, easy to follow. I love it. <laughs> so, all right. So, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I got kind of lost in the instructional design and how it works. And then I was like, oh, okay. But I want to go back to, all right. So, the real, the real reason, of course, why you're here is because I want to like go through your process. So, what is your process to help people? So, Say somebody gives, gets on the phone with you. What's kind of like the first things that you do? What do you guys talk about? How's that? Sure. Yeah. 
So that's a great question, by the way. Um, no one's really asked me that yet, but, except for when I am actually mentor starting the process with people, but beforehand, they don't ask me that. Um, so what I'm doing so far, and this is still elastic and evolving as um, people give me feedback. Uh, and also I do tailor things to what the individual needs. But I always start with a discovery call. So it's just a really informal chat where I get an idea of who you are, what your understanding of instructional design is, and what your goals are um, in terms of what, what help you need. You know, what are you trying to achieve? And that's just a really conversational 30, 45 minute call. People give me their life story. I've met so many interesting people. I had a really great call today about someone who just is going after what they want. And I love that. So once we have that discovery call, I then will send over a form where you can kind of just really take everything we talked about and put that into goals, objectives, and what you want from a mentor. And if it's just really casual conversations every few months, that's totally fine. If you need someone to help you build out your portfolio, like really hold your hand and help you upload something online or get a domain name, let's do that. And if you just need someone to cry to at the end of the day because in your instructional design course is blowing your mind, I'm open to that too. So it's really about what you need um, out of the conversation. Do you have any kind of boundaries or parameters on time or mm -hmm. any of those kinds of things? Yeah. So I do define like what we'll be doing depending on what you want out of that. Oh, well, when you say time, do you mean individual conversations or like the length of each men, uh, each, each relationship that we have? Well, I imagine like that your relationship could go on right? Um, if you enjoy it as much as they do. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but I would imagine like you can't spend all day on the phone. You have like a real nine oh, to five yeah. and a real life. I do. And so, yeah. So what I've done is I've set up, um, I've used different tools to help me um, create specific times to talk to people. Um, and then depending on what you need, um, I'll give you at most three hours as short as 30 minutes. So a three hour call I've done with somebody where I'm like, okay, today we are going to build a, you know, at least an outline for your portfolio. We're going to buy your domain name and you're going to have a portfolio by the end of this call. Um, so that's the longest and that's like a Saturday morning. We'll get up and we'll talk and we'll spend those three hours and build that out. Um, and then if you just need to ask me some quick questions about, um, instructional design or, you know, something about what I've done, um, then we can do a 30 to 45 minute call. You have spent three hours on a Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody, and it was my idea, you know, and I, I just don't think that the, I, I could break it up um, over several meetings, or I could get you started to, you know, and have a really solid product to walk away from in just three hours, you know, and with that person, um, 
their portfolio isn't finished, but they have way more than they did before the call. Um, and so that's something tangible they can walk away from. Now, I do know, I mean, right now it's very manageable because I'm at the beginning of this. Um, and that's a, a reason why I spread this out over years. Um, uh, because I know I'll, I can't offer that to everybody all the time. But I have the time now. And it was just really great to have a product at the end of that conversation that they could walk away with. Oh my gosh, you're about to get a million phone calls and you're really going to have to figure out what your process is going to be. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. And I, you know, a big thing I've already learned is I know my boundaries. So I know how to say, you know what, I can't take on any, any, anyone else right now. So like, I just talked about this with um, Alexander Salas. I was like, you know, if it comes to the point where I can't take anybody else on, for that year, then I'm just gonna have to close it down and say that I've reached my limit for the year. And I think people will understand that. Um, and, and that's why I'm spreading it out. Not everybody's going to need that kind of one-on-one -on -one, and not everybody is dedicated enough to even, you know, stick with that kind of one-on-one. -on -one. You know, there's people who are like, I really, really want your help, but I'll only hear from them once and I'll reach out to them, but I just won't hear from them again. So, um, you know, mentorship is different for different people and I'm just open to, to this right now. I love it. So mm -hmm. it sounds like one of the, I mean, just based on the fact that you have a, a three hour call for it, that, um, mm -hmm. you're the most important action might be them to set up their online portfolio, but is that the first thing that you tell new instructional designers to do that come and speak with you? What's like their first action item that you usually give them? That's definitely something that, that is different for everybody, um, especially like what they're wanting to do. So one person, they seem to just be having some trouble with like internal consulting in terms of dealing with um, clients. And so I recommended a book that really helped me in, um, with consulting. And I'm like, that the first thing you should do is read this book. You, it sounds like you need a step-by-step -step framework for how to do this. And I think this book could help you. Um, so with them, the first thing they needed to do was maybe buy that book. Um, the person who needed a portfolio is actively looking for a job in, in e-learning and has examples, but has no way to easily show them. So that was their biggest issue. And so we needed to build out that portfolio. The only thing stopping them was just not knowing the steps to do. And I could show that to them. So um, it really is different for everyone. Not everyone is going to be doing this, the same thing first. What's the most common action that you have given people to do? That I tell them? Um, to identify their instructional design philosophy. Hmm. Um, because what that does, I think, is informs the kind of jobs that you should be looking for. Um, you know, do you want to spend all your time in front-end analysis or do you like the development part of it? And that's all about what you want to get out of being an instructional designer. And I think a lot of people don't know what that is. So that essentially is what I want people to do first, if they don't know that already. Oh my gosh, Nyla, I, my children are outside playing and I don't know if you can hear, oh, they fixed it. I thought I was going to have to pause and oh like, go like turn my 
car alarm off. I thought that was me. I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was my neighborhood. I actually I sent like, them out. I actually sent them out. Well, I can erase it because like I record on two different tracks. But I actually mm-hmm. sent them outside to go play so I could record the podcast. And then what are they even doing in my car? Okay. <laughs> Not to cut that part off. <laughs> at least it didn't interrupt i'm glad that you were talking and not me during that part <laughs> yeah well you're right about um the instructional design philosophy because it is a very big difference between whether you want to work in higher education or mm-hmm. corporate right yeah and, kind yeah. Of things you want to do. and so it's like if you don't and a lot of people i talk to I, th- I think it's good that we define instructional design um because a lot of people I talk to, it sounds like, you know, they may just want to be a facilitator, um, but they think that they have to know. I mean, it doesn't ever hurt to know storyline and Camtasia and all that, but um, they'll tell me that they're learning it. And then they're like, you know, I don't even really like creating e-learning. I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't, don't, don't look for jobs where 90% of your work is going to be e-learning development, you know? So I think really knowing what you want and your philosophy behind who you want to be as an instructional designer is important. Right. Yeah. And I think some do get, I had a person today that I was on the phone call with and I think she was confusing. Well, I know she was, she was confusing trainer with Mm -hmm. instructional designer, like the person in front of the class. Right. 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 Yeah. And like I work with, you know, I've had to explain the SME who who might also be the trainer versus somebody who's an instructional designer helping them create curriculum. Um, and it's just, it's not helpful that companies cre- are creating all these job titles um, that are vastly different from place to place. So it can be really hard at first to understand, okay, what do I want to be? What does this title mean in this job description? You know, what, what will my responsibilities really be? And is that what I want to do? What was it? Is it just me or did I see you have some kind of blog article or something about the different like terms for a um, designer? Did it, is that, did you, did well, you like um, that? I don't know. Have I, I've done so many, po- oh, this is terrible. Cause now even I'm like, I don't know. Do I have a post? Like <laughs> um, I do have one that explains like what a learning experience designer is and like why I decided to start using that. Um, but I mean, there's lots of blog posts out like that. And it's terrible that I can't remember if I wrote one, but I was just spitting those out for a while. Um, but, you know, knowing, how, being able to decipher what is what, it just comes down to like, re- well, first you got to understand what all the options are, but then, you know, really reading those job descriptions um, is what what is going to save you from heartache once you get into that role right i know you work so hard to get a job it would be or even just to get to the interview it'd be awful to like get to the interview and they tell you about it and you're just like oh that's not really what i wanted yeah because i think if i had you know been in that position and then found out i was not doing any kind of e-learning at this point i'd be kind of sad um but now I, I do mostly e-learning, which I love. I would like to do some more just pure instructional design. Um, and that's something that I've, I spoke to my, my job, my manager about. And 
and you know she's working with me to make that happen so even if you do end up in a job and you're like you know i'm just doing coordination or i'm not doing enough of this and i'd rather be doing that i think it's really good to be open to discuss that with your manager especially if it's a job where they don't want to lose you so say hey i enjoy what i'm doing now but i'd also like to be doing this and that's just some initiative that everybody loves so Absolutely. And so you've had at least 30 people take you up on your phone call offer. So you either have advice you give all the time because you need to, or you have like your favorite piece of advice that, you know, makes the light bulbs turn on. What is that? Oh, my favorite piece of advice. I think I already said it, but, uh, so I need a new piece. (laughs) your instructional design philosophy, I always tell them that. Because um, like I said, you, if you don't know that, then you, where where can you go from there? And then next, it's just a gen, in general, um, not even specifically about instructional design, but really having to push past your fears that keep you from putting yourself out there. Uh, because there are so many people, there are a lot of people now vying for instructional design jobs. And a lot of people see me on LinkedIn and they're like, you know, you post a lot. Um, How do you get ideas and all that? I'm like, I'm not necessarily saying anything too different. Um, And I'm not anyone super special or anything like that. I'm just willing to share my story and not let the fear stop me from that. And I think that's really something that I I find myself telling people a lot Um, because they are asking for ways to stand out. And it sounds like some of them do want to share their story or create content, but they're kind of frozen behind that fear of judgment because it has to do with your career. And I just, I'm really trying to implore people to, to sit with that fear, but also push past it and just get it done. Go ahead and make that post, write that article, create that um, portfolio item and share it with people because that's how you're going to get noticed. And if you just stay where you're comfortable, you're not going to expand. You're not going to get to that next level. Right. And, you know, especially on LinkedIn or any of those social media platforms. If you don't like show up in some way, it's like even more difficult to just even like talk to your network, right? Just let them know that you're interested in becoming an instructional designer. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I have teachers in the academy and they even talk about the imposter syndrome and they even label it as such. And they, Oh yeah. And they say like, well, how am I going to start like writing? I'm an instructional designer on my LinkedIn profile and, Mm -hmm. Um, things like that. And how am I going to put that on my resume? And it like blows my mind. They've been a teacher in the classroom, creating lessons and um, assessments and analyzing their learners for 20 years. And they feel like an imposter as an instructional designer. Yeah, it's hard. And I understand that. And I, I post, I've shared this before. Like I'm someone who I, I, get anxiety around posting and worrying about what other people will think and posting it and deleting it or writing the same thing over and over again. But I just got tired of being kind of stagnant. And I just made a promise that I would be more intentional about 
a lot of things in my career and going forward. And that really helped me. And even people reaching out to me for some of them, that's a really big step, even just having a conversation. I mean, I still get nervous when I talk to people who are asking me for help. So um, because I want to make sure that I'm doing, I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. So we all have those insecurities. It's just like having to get past it. Just write it, click enter, throw your hands up in the air. You did it, you know? And I remember I was talking to someone who had a lot of samples that they wanted to post on their portfolio. They just kept working on them. And I was like, post it, you know, you can fix it. Is every, all the links working? But it was just that fear that it wasn't perfect. And they told me something. They said, I don't, I don't feel like I'm proficient. And I'm like, what is that? Maybe we need to define what that means to you because you have built several courses here that you can share. She's like, well, I'm still new. And I'm like, but you're doing way more than a lot of people can do. Um, so that kind of, you just really have to talk to yourself in a positive way and start just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm like, I, I think I would talk to you about, about how I'm so glad that you can't find any of my old portfolios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. I totally understand. But that. I still just, you just have to do it. And then like, you know, eventually you just cover it up with the good stuff later. Don't even worry about it. Right. And I think people are also afraid of not, I, I guess, being embarrassed or making a mistake. And it's like, if somebody tells me, Hey, maybe you should do this instead. I'll be like, Oh my gosh, thank you for helping me with that. You know, I am um, now I can fix it. Just taking that point of view instead of being embarrassed. Like we all mess up, you know, <laughs> and it's okay. You, especially if you build a, a network that's solid, that wants to help you. And it's so important too, especially if you go into like an e-learning instructional design role, because mm -hmm. I think like 50% of our job is getting feedback and implementing it. Like it's from right. the subject matter experts, from your clients, from your learners. And at first I remember I used to take that stuff personally, um, but now it's like all feedback is a gift, no matter how it's wrapped. And that, right. I mean, just go ahead and get used to like, yeah. like be open and ready for feedback because just like you said, um, it's how we get better. It's nothing to fear. And you are practicing a very important skill for instructional design. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, it still can be prickly to your feelings, sure. you know, but, um, just listening to the message is important. And then, you know, you always have the choice to listen or not listen to it. It's your decision. You also have to be like discerning about when to turn off the feedback. Because I also talk to people who are paralyzed because they're getting a lot of different information from different people and they don't know what to listen to. And I'm like, well, you can't totally ignore your own voice. Um, it shouldn't be negative, though, is my point. Like, what are, what are you confident about? Have confidence in it. And if you can defend it, that's good too. Yeah. And I mean, that's a good point about, you know, who are you getting feedback from too, right? Mm -hmm. Like if that person yeah. is not in a better position than you are, exactly. then, you know, maybe just brush that advice off your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So what is the type of feedback that you are getting from the people um, after they have talked to you or had some sessions with you? What kind of things do they say? 
So um, I've had some people who are just really, I do live streams um, occasionally where I just walk through like something that I figured out in storyline um, so people can see my process. And so I get really good feedback from those people who are new. I show them things that maybe they wouldn't learn in a normal tutorial um, where they're just learning the basics of the software. Um, and those I get really good feedback on. They maybe learn something that can make them stand out when they're developing uh, demos. Where do you host your live and streams? Then, Sorry to interrupt you. Did you say when? No, where? Oh, where? I do them. I just do them on Zoom and I post a link and people can join me. Uh, and then I send out replay to my mailing list um, if they miss it, if they miss it. Um, but yeah, I just use Zoom. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And I, I am eventually going to post those replays on YouTube. I just got to make time to get them up there. So but it's not because you're scared. <laughs> no, it's not because I'm scared. I just need time. <laughs> um, um, oh, we're saying. talking about feedback and results. So you talked about you get oh, yeah. excellent feedback from your live streams, which obviously yeah. those are, I'm sure those are so helpful. What about from some of the yeah. phone calls? Um, yeah, so people, I'm, I mean, I'm still having um, conversations with people. Um, a lot of them have just said it was good to have someone to talk to, to bounce ideas off of. Um, and just someone in, who was recently in a similar place is good. Um, today, the conversation I had this morning, they were just happy to hear that somebody wanted to offer mentorship. Um, and, and she was someone who, um, has way more experience than I, I do, but she's pivoting, um, into kind of e-learning development. And so I felt like that was a two-way street. Like she could give me great feedback about where I am and I could tell her about how I got to where I am right now. So that, that was really exciting. And then constructive feedback, even that I've gotten, um, like people wanted me to uh, be a little more structured in my live stream. So let me uh, put the, people wanted me to be a little more structured in my live stream. So that helped me uh, create better content for people. And then, uh, you know, people wanted me to write shorter newsletters. Links. <laughs> <laughs> So um, that's something that I was able to do. So but I've had great constructive feedback. They were also helping me just figure out, you know, what works best so I can create a program that is effective. And I really appreciate that. So how do people find you, Nyla? I mean, I know how I found you through some random post on LinkedIn, but <laughs> how, how can people go directly and get on your mailing list so they can catch your live streams and maybe book a call sure. with you or connect with you on LinkedIn? Sure. So you can find me at uh, NylaLXD.com. So the LXD is for Learning Experience Designer. Um, and you can subscribe there to my mailing list and also find ways to contact me there. And also, I'm really active on LinkedIn. So just search Nyla Spooner on LinkedIn and you'll find me. I uh, try to respond to people pretty quickly and I check it every day. So that's, a, that's how most people get in contact with me. Um, and you can always shoot me an email, nyla at nylalxd.com. That's easy. 
Mm -hmm. All right. So if you are at all interested in talking to Nyla, please go check out her website. Make sure to sign up for her email newsletter. And if uh, you need some mentorship in instructional design, I think that Nyla is looking to help you, especially if you are a woman of color. So I really want Nyla to reach her 100 goal before she ever expected to. And so in, in that note, what is your best and final piece of advice for someone who wants to become an idol? If you are looking to become an idol, really open up your mind to all the different avenues in which you can learn about it. Don't box yourself into one thing. You are in the business of learning. And so your number one learner should be yourself. Absorb a lot of information, but also apply a filter and, um, and have some discernment about it. Um, but lead by example and just be a voracious learner. And I think that you'll have a lot of fun with it. I love that advice because the best instructional designers are those who are obsessed with learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's true. And uh, some of those, you know, that obsessiveness with learning turns out to be lots of debt for degrees that you don't need. But But remember, if you keep looking for different avenues, you can find alternatives to that supplemental things. Um, But yeah, I feel you on those loans. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it was such a treat, such a pleasure to like, you know, just speak to such a kindred spirit. Um, And so thank you so much for coming on and sharing with uh, the Become an Idol family. And um, I just look forward to staying connected with you and seeing how we can both help our people. Awesome. And thank you. You are the prototype. You have laid a foundation for all this. Um, I really appreciate what you're doing, what you continue to do with your idol courses. And I can't wait to see what you continue to do. And, and yeah, our networks are similar. And I think it's just so exciting what we're both doing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idolcourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you'll need to land your first job. Early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Enrollment is now open and closes January 31st. So go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll today. I will see you inside. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.